Hello, Herstorians. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and welcome to another episode of Women of Herstory, a podcast dedicated to celebrating women who have made or are making their mark on our society. Hiding behind the other side of the mic today is Sandalwood Suds. How you doing today? Oh, man, I didn't know if you could see me. I thought I found a good hiding spot today. Nope, nope. terrible hider. Suds failed. Suds always fails. Well, other than that, I'm Puppin doing suds, fine. like from Brink. Yeah, oh, that's, man, we're throwing it back that fast. Yeah. Disney. Yeah. I'm having a good day. How are you? I'm having a good day, too. We're having gorgeous weather. It's really hot in here, though, so that's kind of a bummer. But oh, it's that's rainy okay. over here where, where I'm at. Oh, on your side of the mic? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, you guys, this is the first episode of Women's History Month. The theme of Women's History Month 2021, according to the National Women's History Alliance, is valiant women of the vote refusing to be silenced. As most of the 2020 celebrations for the centennial of women's right to vote in the United States were canceled, they decided to encompass both themes this year. Wow. Which I love. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. And International Women's Day is actually coming up on March 8th. The theme of that is Choose to Challenge. We were actually able to participate in a video compilation for an organization called We Are the City. It won't be out at the time of this episode release, but we encourage you all to go check it out and see what they're doing. Check out the hashtag um, choose to challenge Mm because that's definitely something that I've been seeing just um, daily daily posts about. And we'd love for our historians to post a video, a comment, carrier pigeons, whatever, with ways you are choosing to challenge the status quo. You can tag us in any of our social media platforms, and you should use the hashtag, hashtag choose to challenge. Again, this is not our hashtag, but we'd love to see what you guys are doing. Let's continue supporting and amplifying. And uh, choosing to challenge. Absolutely. Yeah. (laughs) Today, we have a listener episode request. Claise Lemons reached out to us on our on our um, Instagram. Thank to, you. Yeah, thank you. Uh, to request that we do an episode about the Victorian era Swedish artist Hilma of Klint. The timing couldn't have been more poignant as we had literally just seen an exhibit at MoMA featuring her work, and I had actually written down in my little like Apple Notes that I wanted to cover her in the future. So it was uh, really, it was kismet. It was perfect timing. And we appreciate the suggestion. Mm-hmm. And we Im- encourage everyone to, Absolutely. Um, you know, if you're a fan, if you're interested, uh, send us um, a person, a woman that you would want to see us do an episode about. Yeah. And, you know, we'll give you a shout out in the episode. And then, of course. you know, try to do that woman justice. Yeah, you know, while we do have like a in an episode schedule, we are more we than willing to shift things around to for our fans. accommodate. Yeah, for to accommodate your requests because we love to hear about what you guys want to hear. And there's a uh, a lot to unpack during this one, my friends. Um, I'll do my best to keep it concise. I've clearly not done well on that. We're four minutes in and I'm just now telling you what the episode is about, but that's fine. (laughs) I'll do my best, um, but no promises. (laughs) So let's get on with our art herstory lesson. 
Abstract art uses various shapes, forms, colors, and lines to create a piece that exists with independence from visual references in the world. Western art from the Renaissance to the mid-19th century was limited by the logic of perspective. Western art from the Renaissance to the mid-19th century was limited by the logic of perspective, and it was attempting to reproduce exactly what we could see with the naked eye, so like photorealism. Mm -hmm. At the end of the 19th century, artists felt the need to create a new type of art in accordance with the fundamental changes taking place in technology, science, and philosophy. Abstract art, non-figurative art, non-objective art, and non-representational art, while all are closely related, they're not actually identical in their meanings. Abstract art is specifically a departure from reality in imagery. It departs from accurate representation in slight, partial, or complete ways and consists along a continuum. Even art that aims for realism at large can be said to be abstract, mm -hmm. at least theoretically, because perfect representation of what we see is impossible. I love that. I almost didn't include that, but I was like, mm, mm, that's deep. That's deep. I, I, yeah, yeah, you had, yeah, you were dropping gems. Whereas total abstraction leaves no reference to anything recognizable, Geometric abstraction usually leaves no reference to naturalistic entities. Mm. Cubism and fauvism are two forms that are considered to be totally abstract. It is a widely cited, accepted, and repeated notion that Vasily Kandinsky is the pioneer of abstract art, or was it? I remember seeing that in the MoMA. I'm about to blow up your entire world. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> that was really aggressive, that's but so that's much. what this is. Suds <laughs> is sad. Hilma said, my mission, if it succeeds, is of great significance to humankind, for I am able to describe the path of the soul from the beginning of the spectacle of life to its end. Hilma Ofklint was born on October 26, 1862 in Sweden. She was the fourth child of Matilda of Klint and a Swedish naval commander, Captain Victor of Klint. They were a well-to-do family of multiple generations of naval officers. She spent summers with the family at their manor. Um, it's called Hanmora on the island of Adelso in Lake Malren. You can tell from her works that a love of nature and its forms were an inspiration from the start. Clint showed an early interest for mathematics and botany with an innate visual art ability. What a, what a combination. I know. <laughs> Math, but it makes so much sense. Oh, it's, oh my gosh. If you see her work, that makes so much sense. When the family moved to Stockholm, she studied at Techniska Skolen. I'm trying so hard. At Techniska Skolen, which is now Konstfak, where she learned the art of portrait and landscape painting. At age 20, she was admitted into the Royal Academy of Fine Arts. There were a fair amount of aristocratic women being educated at the time. Traditionally, if a woman was unmarried, it was her brother's responsibility to provide for her until she found herself a husband. Unique. Now, not wanting to have to support them, these men pretty quickly figured out that if 
they gave women the opportunity to have an education and a career of their own. They don't have to support them anymore, and the women can support themselves. Probably the most roundabout way to do that. Yeah, yeah, they're like... That's good. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) That's fine. So more and more of these women were being given proper education. Clint was described as a charming, well-educated woman with a mind of her own, which was controversial. Fortunately, her father fully encouraged and supported all of her talents. In 1879, Clint began experimenting with spiritual investigation as she became more interested in the theosophy of Madame Blavatsky and the philosophy of Christian Rosenkreutz. More on this later, so like put a little pin in it and Mm. we'll come back. You got it, Alexis. (laughs) Oh my god, I did totally just do an Alexis Mm -hmm. Rose. That's Mm -hmm. really funny. (laughs) From 1882 to 1887, Clint studied mainly drawing, portrait painting, and landscape painting. She was one of the top students at the academy and was awarded a scholarship post-graduation in the form of a studio of her own in the Atelier building. Wow. Right? This studio was owned by the Academy of Fine Arts and was located in central Stockholm, the main cultural hub in the Swedish capital. Sounds like they hooked her up. And this is the time this is the time when like art schools actually provided post-graduation for their artists. Mm. You know, they're mm-hmm. like, they're they're not just saying, okay, you learned all these things, now go starve. They're like, okay, you learned these things, and you did so well in this that we're going to provide a space for you to do your work. Because you can't do your best work if you don't have the proper space and materials. Housed in the same building was Blanche's Cafe and Blanche's Art Gallery. This provided a conflict between the conventional art view of the Academy of Fine Arts and the opposition movement, Art Society, Hmm. which this was inspired by the French en plein air painters. Hilma received recognition for her landscapes, botanical drawings, and portraits, and she was able to use these as a source of income. And something that was really interesting about her Uh, Her portrait specifically is that she never tried to make people look quote unquote like better than they were because she didn't see them for perceived flaws. She wanted to paint and draw them as you are. It's a beautiful thing. Right? Without, without, you know. Natural. Yeah. Just being like you're existing and you're beautiful and worthy. Clint's work is understood in the broad context of the modernist search for new forms of artistic, spiritual, political, and scientific systems. Artists like Vasily Kandinsky, Piet Mondrian, and Casimir Malevich, I'm trying, (laughs) were all inspired by the theosophical movements. What makes Hilma fascinating is that her transition to abstract and non-figurative painting seems to have occurred entirely organically, separate of the contemporary modern movements. At the Academy, Hilma met Anna Cassell. Anna had a very similar outlook on life and would be the first of four women that would later work together, and they called themselves the Five. I just love them. <laughs> the five consisted of Cornelie Ketterberg, Sigrid Hedman, Matilda or Mathilda Nielsen, Anna Cassell, and Hilma Offclint. 
quote, What I needed was courage, and it was granted to me through the spiritual world, which bestowed rare and wonderful instruction. They began working together as members of the Edelweiss Society, a society that embraced a combination of theosophical teachings, Helena Blavatsky, and spiritualism. I think it's important that they did that so that there could be a support system, you know, so that they could... Oh, together. You know, I think you need to build that community in order to, like, maybe not care so much about what's going on outside or not really Mm. focus about what, you know... What everyone else is doing. Yeah, or, like, what Mm -hmm. you have to do because you're doing your own thing and you have people who are going to support you. Not necessarily, yes, people, but people who are going to, like... Who are you know, like-minded, who are going to help you grow. Yeah, yeah, who won't hold you back, right? Mm-hmm. Who will let you flourish. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. The five left the Edelweiss Society and formed their own. They were interested in the paranormal and regularly organized seances. I feel like you would have been... You would have I would have totally been part of the five. It would have been the six. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> they recorded in a book a new system of mystical thought. 25,000 pages of notes about the quest to understand the mind. 25,000 pages. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's probably so, split yeah. up between well, them, it, well, it was actually mostly Hilma's, like, life work was, in, as far as her notes go, were, were her just recording in hundreds of, of notebooks about her thoughts. Jeez. Incredible. She wrote, like... She was running out of time. Oh, there it is. Hamilton. <laughs> there it is. So their new system of mythical thought was one where they were on a quest to gain contact from spirits called the High Masters. One named Gregor spoke to Hilma directly. <laughs> Gregor. Gregor from uh, <laughs> what we do here. He said, all the knowledge that is not of the sense, not of the intellect, not of the heart, Mm. but is the property that exclusively belongs to the deepest aspect of your being, the knowledge of your spirit. I know. From the five, Helma began creating experimental automatic drawings as early as 1896. Automatic drawings are an experiment in expressing the subconscious and being completely freed from rational control. She played with an inventive geometric language, one where she was conceptualizing invisible forces of inner and outer worlds. It's next level stuff. Oh my gosh. That's upper echelon stuff. She said, a thought crystallizes the universe into geometric figures. You must learn to ignore your fear, for without the will to believe in yourself, nothing good will happen. Sounds like an Erica Badu song. (laughs) Also, happy birthday, Erica Badu. (laughs) (laughs) She explored world religions, atoms, and... Just the world in general. That's wild. And she wrote extensively about her discoveries. As she became more familiar with this form of expression, the high masters assigned her to create paintings for the temple. Both during and after these creations, she said she never actually understood what temple was even referring to. She said that she felt as if she was being directed by a force that was literally guiding her hand. Quote, the pictures were painted directly through me, without any preliminary drawings and with great force. I had no idea what the paintings were supposed to depict. Nevertheless, I worked swiftly and surely, without changing a single brushstroke. I am 
I, I can only fathom what that would even look like in terms of her process, and I kind of wish I operated like that. You almost, <laughs> you almost just like I think we mentioned it before. Uh, was it in the interview with? Taylor, mm-hmm. where it's like you just kind of do things and you check out, and then you're like you you check back in, and then and you're it's like, just I've well, done, I did it. I've done this now. <laughs> uh-huh. What I'm in a new place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have a new painting in front of me, and it's the bomb. Yeah, and she's like, I didn't even paint. This was and not like, mine. Oh, damn, this is crazy. And then yeah. she dropped the paintbrush and walked out like I'm mm-hmm. like. In 1906, after 20 years of artistic work, at the age of 44, Hilma Offklint painted her first series of abstract paintings. The works for the temple were created between 1906 and 1915, with a four-year interruption from 1908 to 1912. In 1908, Clint met Rudolf Steiner, the founder of the Anthroposophical Society, while she was visiting Stockholm. She introduced him to her theories around art and spiritualism and showed him her paintings for the temple, He expressed that he believed her paintings were improper. Mm. And after this meeting, there is no record of any new works created by her for four years. This is when the four-year gap happened because he he just didn't get it. He just didn't get it. But there's um, a few little, like, I I think there were other motives behind him saying, stop doing what you're doing. Mm. The temple paintings were a collection of of 193 paintings. Well, she killed it. Within which there were several subseries. The major paintings were created in 1907 and were massive. Well, of course it would go over his head. They were 240 by 320 centimeters. That is, for us Americans, Thank you. 7.8 by 10.5 feet. Jeez. The series was titled The Ten Largest. And they represented the different phases of life from early childhood to old age. The works consisted of symbols, letters, and words. They depict the symmetrical dualities, such as up and down, in and out, earthly and esoteric, male and female, good and evil. Quote, The development of the world includes the wonderful dilemma that light itself is divided into brightness and darkness. This problem is especially difficult to understand for a blind world whose organization is founded on two forces instead of one. She's just like... I don't know. She was so ahead of her time. Oh, my she, gosh. And, and really, she was just running laps around all these Literally people with ahead her of her artwork. Time. Mm-hmm. And just her, her outlook. outlook. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hilma wrote and painted about the extremes within society that we live in a polarized world divided to the extreme, including gender roles and masculine versus feminine. She said, many players struggling in this drama have been dressed in the wrong clothing. Many a female costume conceals a man. Many a male costume conceals a woman. Now, here's what I want to say about that. This kind of goes on a little roundabout, but this, literally the fact that she's saying this in, like, the early 1900s shows you that transphobia is is not a product of a generation and old mindsets. It is 100% learned, you know? Yeah. Like, like you can't say, oh, they're just, they just feel that way because they're, you know older and they were from a different they time were born no. Over here. Yeah. no 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 <laughs> her color choices were metaphoric blue representing the female spirit yellow the male 
and the massive backgrounds and hues of pinks and reds to express physical and spiritual love. I feel like some of the pictures we've seen and saw are definitely uh, up your alley. Two series for the temple were the swan and the dove. The swan series representing transcendence and the dove representing love. The two are showing gates to other dimensions. The paintings within the series call for individual interpretation on narrative, esoteric, and artistic levels. So the way that they're done are so completely up to the viewer. If you understand what you're look, if, if you even just understand the basis of like the swan is representing, the, the swan series is representing transcendence. And then if you go and look at that series, just with that little bit in mind, it literally like is so completely up to you on what you take from it. Oh my gosh, gorgeous. While she completed the works for the temple, she recalled that the spiritual guidance ended. She continued to pursue abstract painting, still independent from external influence. While the temple paintings were mostly in oil, she now began to incorporate the use of watercolors. The paintings she created later in life were significantly smaller than the ten largest. Among many series, one she created depicted the standpoints of different religions at various stages in history. They represented the relationship between the physical being, equivalents, and esoteric research. And that was actually one of the series that we saw at MoMA. Um, it was the the circles. Do you yeah. remember? It was like in a glass case, and there were small pieces, and it was these various circles with different lines through them at different p- parts on the circle. And the line is representing where like the, the esoteric being exists within the religion and where society placed it in its importance. You know, it's so funny. I said earlier that it's, it's what a weird coupling botany and uh, math, but like, you know, there are some people who believe in the theory that like everything is like zeros and ones. So there's Mm -hmm. like that community. And then also when you think about it, like math is just kind of numbers surround us, whether Uh we even like choose to acknowledge it or not. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, in terms of plants, what there are a number of things that like ha- that like math um that like helps plants, dictate yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah. like you know how much sun how, how much, much sun water. it takes mm-hmm. yeah how much yeah how long it how takes to grow how deep it needs to be planted yeah the yeah. level of oxygen mm-hmm. there's just so many things that like you know um mm-hmm. surra- like math and numbers surround us mm-hmm. like I don't believe I'm not of the faith that we believe that we live in the matrix but numbers are everywhere, well, it's like, and it's really cool that she adapted both the, uh, the botany and math into art. Mm-hmm. It almost just kind of seems like a, a perfect melding. Mix. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it also makes sense with the way that she approaches like theology and um, spiritualism. What was the that way word that... that you said too? Wild. I learned. Yeah, you you <laughs> put me onto that today. That was interesting. Yeah, I don't even know. Theosophical. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. She sought to understand the mysteries she came in contact with throughout her life's work. Mm. With more than 150 notebooks containing her thoughts, theories, and studies. Quote, I want to acquire real insights about our existence on Earth in relation to the center of the universe. In these writings, there's virtually nothing personal to be found. But her sketches indicate that she had a full, adventurous life. Good. 
I don't want to read. I don't want to hear about any salacious details in the, yeah. in the midst of her work. She's it's like, not that's our business. not the point of she, you know, my she work. She used it exactly mm-hmm. the way it's you know that should be used, and how other things this day and age should be used instead of the way they mm-hmm. end up being used. Mm-hmm. Eh. Hilma, cre- <laughs> Hilma created more than a thousand and five hundred paintings and drawings, and never showed her work to her contemporaries. She knew that people in her time weren't ready to understand oh them. man i so feel you knew that. it oh my you god you called it earlier oh, no i no. i mean also for me like i totally relate to that mm-hmm. not even on some like they're not ready i'm not on that wave i don't think i'm there <laughs> but like i don't yeah you, you like your peers are not the people who are going to like mm-hmm. your close peers won't do that for mm-hmm. you it might be like the ones that you like are really close with but you don't you, yeah. you have to look outside mm-hmm. of your box for that recognition Hilma was a vegan before veganism was a term, and she loved nature fully. Quote, The more we discover the wonders of nature, the more we become aware of ourselves. First, I want to understand the flowers of the earth. I shall start with the world's flowers. Then, with the same care, I shall study whatever lives in the waters of the world. Then comes the date to the blue ether with its many species of animals. And finally, I shall enter the woods to study the damp mosses, all trees and animals living among the cool, dark multitude of trees. You know, I heard, I heard, I think a week or two ago, uh, as a very influential person (laughs) said, uh, knowledge of self is knowledge of power. When you have that knowledge of self, like you are, you have that power, you have that like capability to Mm. really drive drive yourself but you have to know your own worth and value first and i love that she's saying you have to and then she's taking it further and saying you have to understand nature to understand yourself she was on that she was Mm -hmm. on that plane of existence where she was like this transcends whatever we're doing Mm -hmm. like this is like Mm -hmm. you guys are right here we need to be here Mm mm-hmm Now, in the aftermath of a tragic accident in Jursum, Sweden, in 1944, Hilma Ofklint died at almost 82 years old. Wow, 82, though, Mm -hmm. still. She left her abstract paintings to her nephew, Vice Admiral Eric Ofklint of the Royal Swedish Navy. In her will, she left very explicit instructions. Her work was to be kept a secret for 20 years after her death. When the boxes were opened at the end of the 1960s, no one knew what to expect. She hadn't shown this to she anyone. She said 20 years. Yeah, she said, they're not going to be ready for my work for 20 more years after I'm dead. She knew she was 100 years ahead of her time. She, sh- she should have had like a little asterisk and it's like, if work completely still not accepted or received oh, by put, 60 put it back put it back another 20 years let <laughs> it, it let out. it reheat <laughs> and then you know an asterisk under that hey lock me up <laughs> put me uh, like open me up y2k you know now eric actually offered to gift the paintings to moderna muset in stockholm who Why? rejected the offer um well they'll come to regret it it's fine <laughs> He then actually donated them to the foundation that bears her name in the 1970s. So they established the foundation and they're like, all right, this is important. We know her work is important. Okay, that's good. Yeah. That's, that part's good. <laughs> the curator, Ak Fant, 
sorry about pronunciation, introduced her works to an international audience when it was presented at a Nordic conference in Helsinki in 1984. In 2013, the Museum of Modern Art in Stockholm showed the largest retrospective solo exhibition with 230 of her paintings. In 2017, Norwegian architecture firm Snoeta unveiled plans for an exhibition center dedicated to Hilma in Jarna. That's what we're talking about. It was estimated to have a price tag of six to seven and a half million euros. Put some respect on her name. That's right. In 2018, the Hilma Off Klint Foundation signed a long-term agreement of cooperation with Moderna Muset, the same museum that rejected the donation of her works in the 60s. Yeah, so, they became bandwagon fans later. They're like, oh, we messed up. No, we love her now. Yeah. We, we, want, we want her art. What did she do again? Yeah, we'll take it. <laughs> this agreement confirmed that there would be a dedicated space at the museum to continuously exhibit her works. Hilma and her work were presented in the movie Personal Shopper, uh, where the main character, played by Kristen Stewart, researches art inspired by spirits. She was the inspiration for Acne Studios' summer collection in 2014, and she was cited by Jane Weaver as inspiration for modern cosmology. She was the subject of the 2019 feature-length documentary by German director Helena Dershka. Now, this was titled Beyond the Visible, Hilma Ofklint, and it was the primary source of research for this episode couldn't recommend it enough. It's incredible. It's on Amazon Prime. We're going to delve into um, a lot of uh, notes and insights right now that I took from said documentary. So why has Hilma Ofklint been ignored as the literal pioneer of abstract art? Because you would have to rewrite all of art history. It has been widely accepted fact that abstract art began with Kandinsky, and now you have a woman disrupting the entire narrative. One of the um, people in the documentary said, think of art history as a man's suit. Women have always been accessories. There was an exhibit at MoMA titled Inventing Abstraction, and not a single word about Hilma was included. Not a word. And when the director of the documentary asked representatives of the museum why this was the case, they replied that they weren't sure whether Hilma's art actually worked like abstract because she never exhibited it in her lifetime. So how can you tell? And you're just like, what? what? And if you literally look at the comparisons side by side, this documentary does such a beautiful job of, um, it's, oh, it's so good. But there's, there's her work that was done before a lot of this um you know what's thought of as the pioneered work is virtually identical and i'm not saying that they copied her because no one had seen her work but she was just doing it before them and it's it's the same concepts it's it's all the same tone and you're just like how can you say it doesn't work the same they're all based on the same <sighs> it's fine <laughs> And if you compare her work to the, quote, genius men of the movement, they took a timid approach to abstraction where she dove straight in. So if you look at, uh, like, Kandinsky's early abstraction work, mm -hmm. it's still rooted in the, like, Renaissance style of painting. It's just 
slightly going into it. Whereas hers, with her 10 largest, she just, I mean, gung-ho, did it big, did it up, off the bat. She was like, I'm not scared of this. She completed the first large 10 paintings of the Temple series in 42 days. 42 uh, days. I mean... That's those canvases that are like 8 by 10 feet. You're putting your blood, sweat, and tears into it like, you know, tw whole day. Like, to do all those... Nothing and, and like that has happened before, and it hasn't happened since. That's a little over a month. She did all that. Yeah. That's That's... 10 huge paintings like that. During the time that she was painting, there was an incredible scientific revolution occurring. Science was discovering that there are things beyond the physical touch and sight. She painted what could be seen in combination with what was happening with science. Quote, it is in the movement I am aware, living as I do in this world, that I am an atom in the universe, possessing infinite possibilities of development, and I want to explore those possibilities. There's a common thinking that the universe contains atoms, and atoms determine the universe. She thought the other way around, that she was building the universe with the atoms from within herself. Uh, I mean, she and like, like alone, she's like a universal being. And that That's alone wild. makes you, make, literally opens up any possibility. Because if you approach it in that way, that you say, I'm going to manifest whatever I put out, rather than the universe is already made and is going to determine how I move. Give this woman her flowers. I can't. I like... Give this woman her flowers. This is she's, why I cried at the end ahead. of this documentary, you guys. <laughs> I this literally is... cried. <laughs> In one single year, Hilma painted 111 paintings. She was thought of as improper, at having still pursued art as a career. Women could only be an artist until they got married, because the role of a woman was to be a mother. And she later in life actually declined a marriage offer, saying, quote, Within me wells forth such a power carrying me forward that marriage and family happiness are not my destiny. And she loved this man. She was just like, it's just, can't. I can't. I'm too otherworldly, but not in a narcissistic way. That's, she was like, I can't be contained and I don't want to put that on you. So I'm a, I'm a exist that's kind, that's, over that, here. I mean, yeah, she really, she definitely seems like a person that, you know, needed to like do it on her own. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like needed, she had so much like. She had so much in her that she was yeah, like, I have to get it out. Potential and energy and it's mm -hmm. like, yeah. Yeah. So unpin that pin that I had you place in Helena Blavansky's Theosophy Unpinned. at the beginning of the episode. Theosophy. Theosophy. Mm. Uh, that's the word. Mm. <laughs> Theosophy at the beginning of the episode. So Helena stated that all religions are essentially the same. The theosophy that she presented allowed for women's freedom and further provided anti-authoritarian ideas that were even more attractive to women, especially of this time. One of the primary issues at hand comes from the fact that people in the art world look to dismiss her because she was a woman and a spiritualist. 
they with question ideas. They question her credibility, which is which which and just dumbfounds me because virtually every single artist of the abstract movement was part of the spiritualist movement. Right. That's the entire basis of abstract. It's art. not like it's not like a lot of the other artists caught flat for it too. But no, none of them of did because she's a she woman. Is, that's yeah. that's what it is because this all happened after art history had already been written. Right. So they're saying, well, how can we chip away and say let's keep her aside, let's keep her out let's keep her out when you look at art history of the last 500 years there are basically zero women the male art history is all about quote genius and women were excluded from this narrative because women had no genius right like that was the basis of specifically the the victorian era they were like you have no genius to provide so so what they would want you to believe is that women aren't part of the basis of art history because they weren't there weren't any talented female painters i know i'm trying and that's just not true right there there were they were all there yeah right along with them right and it's still harder for women to be in the art world there are just as many women as there are men in art and there are more women in art school than there are men so what happens after academy Where's the disconnect? What's happening there? And you could argue that it's a boys club that excludes people. And it's all about who you know. And they're saying, well, let me open this door for you because I see you or whatever. And that's just not happening for the women. And then um, an issue that's brought up in the documentary that I hadn't thought about are that these um, like all women shows that are happening at various galleries and museums aren't doing much help to... Uh, aren't 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 doing much help to like the the innate issues at hand because they tick a box. It's PC and it's fashionable, right? To say, look at this, look, we showcased for three months these women, but nothing in the actual permanent galleries are changing. Nothing in the way that art history is being recorded right, is changing. Right, right. And women don't want to be fashionable. That's not the solution. They want real change because they are forgotten. Over and over and over and I mean, over again. We just have to wait for we have to wait for the changing of the old guards. You know, the people who write history. Sorry, they just kind of have to pass on, and, and then we have to crazy, have newer people rewrite it who are going to be way more diverse and open-minded. So, so what's interesting to me is stories. it was brought up in the in the documentary that they were like in science, right? There are addendums, mm-hmm. right, to things like discoveries, and then we learn more about it, and they go back and they change. And add more information once it's found out. They don't do that with art history. They won't do it. They won't go back and say, we thought it was Kandinsky. Mm-hmm. It's not. It, it's not him. And there's nothing wrong with saying it was Hilma before everybody else. And you can still include him in the history. He's already there. You just have to. They're just saying they, they, they don't. It's just an upheaval. And I think they're also worried about if we bring her into it then we have to actually acknowledge all these other women that contributed greatly to art and to art history. Because at that time, they were like, well, female artists can are, are only good for portraits and landscapes. That's what they're good for. That's why there's no, quote, genius in it. They're just blah, 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 it's blah, the, blah. It's the Mona blah, Lisa blah, blah, and everyone's like, oh, my God. Yeah, it's like where it's that, like you don't think there was also the a picture. female that could paint just as well as da vinci at this time and he's just being in she's been ignored because she doesn't have the quote genius that a man has because women weren't allowed to be genius Mm -hmm. 
Right. It's just insane. Mm-hmm. It's insane. We give a lot of credit to, like, you know, uh, some artists like Jackson Pollock and Diego Rivera. And that's not then... to take credit away from them. And I think that's such a weird thing is that they're, like, just because you're bringing making the history richer with all these new people that you're discovering like there's enough of a playing field for everyone there's, there's, room there's, there's for there's everyone a, it yeah. does not change their their abilities it does not change their place in history you are and it's just insane and that that's something that the the documentary addresses as well um there shouldn't be like one hilma or one no, o'keefe for every like 10 of these artists because you know, you we, we walk through we walk through the different um areas mm-hmm. in these museums and or really let's specific let's, let's talk about the moment specifically. And I do notice that like for every two or three, you know, males, it's like one woman. Not and then, even two or, or three, it's or like maybe, every five. <laughs> so maybe they'll have like a bunch of like, you know, rooms with like majority male and then a handful female. And then there'll be one there'll be like a handful of rooms also where it's just like the one female artist, mm-hmm. the paintings they did, you go into the next room and then it's mixed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's very it's like it's, it's not even it's, and no. It's not even and, and it's very much like uh like almost like pandering. Oh, you know, yeah. it's almost like it's pandering, like, but like it's gaslighting is what yeah. it is. It's gaslighting. It's like kind of it's 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 gatekeeping and pandering women. at the same yeah well, yeah. What do you mean women well, didn't something do anything? That, women that did this. I, it's like I, I mean yeah something I forgot to mention. If you're saying it like that, then we already have a problem. Yeah, something I forgot to mention was that. Um, so something else that she stipulated in her will was that her work isn't allowed to be sold. Cool. So the art world can't profit off of her. That's. Uh, and that just completely turns their world upside down even I, further. I like I like that a lot. Right? I like that a lot. Right? And that just comp- so, so dramatically just, she knew, oh my God, like saying don't open them for 20 years because nobody's going to get it. They have to all stay together. That was the other thing is the reason she didn't sell or exhibit in her lifetime was because she was like, I know that these co- this collection, these collections have to stay together. They up. have to stay together yeah, for them to get the full meaning behind right. it. And I just love that she's like, you don't all get to nothing. sell it. Mm-hmm. You don't get to sell it. You can exhibit it. I can, you know, my foundation can loan it to you. Like you can, you can rent it. You don't get to buy it. And that even further, so that the big issue that is in the documentary is how MoMA is the the mecca of modern art in the world. Mm-hmm. That's just, it's looked at as the highest of high. And for a very, very long time, they didn't acknowledge her. They didn't exhibit her because they couldn't profit. They couldn't, they didn't want to recognize and upheave, you know, um, the history of it. Even in the exhibit that we just saw with her, there her her work being exhibited there is gorgeous and they are kind of trying to start it but they also haven't changed the plaques to say kandinsky didn't start it Mm -hmm. she started it it's it's a it's like it's very half-assed it's very interesting and there i think i think um the documentary probably put a little uh, fire on your butts Mm -hmm. i mean good um it's it's very it exposes a lot of really interesting things that i hadn't really thought about and and i and i so 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 loved researching this episode and finding my new favorite artist (laughs) someone that i wish i had really fully known so thank you uh for the suggestion it was so gorgeous and i had just the best time researching it and um Everybody should get really mad about the art world right now. <laughs> if 
for gatekeeping. It's crazy. I just, it had never even crossed my mind. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it. Ugh. So I'm going to leave you guys with this quote. Only those prepared to leave their familiar life behind will life emerge in a new gown of continually expanding beauty and perfection. But in order to attain such a state, it is necessary to achieve stillness in both thought and feeling. Kind of reminds me of, um, you know, like when you see uh, a cocoon, you know, and then it hatches into a butterfly. Mm -hmm. Like that evolution is... Is very beautiful, but first the ca- the caterpillar like has to like has to remain very still. And then when you mm-hmm. see the time lapse video, it's like, you know, they have the whole mm-hmm. the exterior outside, yeah. and then the- it hatches, and it's just like a beautiful mm-hmm. like it's like an ebb and flow. It's mm-hmm. a circle of life. It's mm-hmm. evolution. It's mm-hmm. like these things are very much around us, and they happen sometimes. Just no- you know, like. I mean, obviously, it's like a natural force of nature. Right, right. Um, and they happen around us so frequently. Yeah. It's beautiful to kind of take the time to acknowledge yes. it all you can. Yes, 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 yes. It's absolutely that. And it's something where, like, with her um, and all the scientific discoveries happening, and she's just like, her mind is blown thinking about, like, x-ray images, right? This is when all of that kind of thing is happening. And she, so you can see it in her work. And it all has this, like, pop art quality sometimes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, how did you do that? Oh, my God. What? We take things for wow. granted. You know, uh, we had that interview, uh, like I mentioned earlier, with Taylor. And it's like some people really, you know, when they see things that they're not used to, you know, mm. or when they don't, when they don't, when they're like, yeah, when they see things that they're just not used to seeing, they really, like, their eyes open up. Like, they get so excited, mm. their energy increases, and, you know, they're, they become, you know, um, really interested in yeah. it. Yeah, you just like, have to leave yourself open to that kind of observing, you there's know? So much, there's so much oversaturation of everything that I think people kind of just Especially miss now, out. Yeah. Yeah, right. With technology in 2021, we have an abundance of everything. We can get everything at that very second. And mm. if we if we don't get it that second, we're like, what's going on? Yeah. You know, so. Well, it's like the other so day when I was on. like, fax machines, right? And you were like, what? And I was like, fax machines are so cool because you can like. <laughs> complicated machine. Complicated so monsters. Good. It's literally they're sending pictures through the air to a specific device same thing with phones mechanical monsters just crazy and it's just i just love i love that she found a way to bring in science and spiritualism and to say they coexist they are one in the same you have to be able to open your mind open your eyes look at what you're seeing and and open yourself up to not being in control of everything that you're doing and and just opening your eyes and saying wow this is this is life and i have to be open and ready for it i think it's become more of a societal norm to have your eye to have people like appreciate the things more and like open their eyes more i think before people were like you know mm-hmm. super nine to five head down like uh, family like i'm going to do x y and z and that is my life mm. <laughs> like, and now it's are, changing you, you, yeah like, people were like i have three purposes one i have a family i have a job mm-hmm. and you know i'm, I'm we're all alive mm-hmm. now it's like you can you can smell the flowers mm. you know before it's too late mm-hmm. or you know we have the capability and the wherewithal to smell flowers before mm-hmm. um you can't so yeah. pick up a flower, people, mm-hmm. and appreciate it while it's there. It's such such an impactful 
situation, you have to be open and ready to feel and observe. And smell your flowers. Yes, smell your flowers. And thank you, historians, for hitting that download button again. Subscribe, follow, tell your frenemies, and come back this Friday for an interview with keynote speaker Shola Kay. Ooh. Yeah, she's coming to us from the UK, and Shola has been featured in Marie Claire, Harper's Bazaar, and on the BBC. That's cool. I'm familiar with all three. <laughs> I like that. She shares with us how her background in STEM and a pivot to the entertainment industry led her to being a distinguished Toastmaster and a communication specialist providing diverse diversity and inclusion consultations for companies. Okay, I'll listen to this one. <laughs> you listen to that one? Yeah, I'll listen to that. I'll check it out. Follow us on our multitude of social medias for continued inspiration. On TikTok. At Her Story Podcast. Facebook. Women of Her Story. Twitter. The Her Story Pod. And Instagram. Women of Her Story Podcast. And then head on over to our website at. Ofherstory.com. Until Friday. Be safe, stay healthy, and show the world what you're made of. Sup uh, support women and wear a mask. Bye. Happy um, Women's History Month. Boop, Bye. Boop. Beep, beep.